Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, good morning, everyone. So good to have you. Happy almost 4th of July. My name is Pastor Jesse, and I'm bringing the word today. So, yes. Amen. Um, in honor of Pastor Kevin, who is not here today, um, I wanted to tell a couple jokes, because he always starts out the message with a couple jokes. So, you guys ready? All right, here we go. I was addicted to the hokey pokey, but then I turned myself around. Pretty good. All right, one more. Before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you do criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. There you go. A little advice to start out. Well, um, the title of my message this morning is It's Time to Take New Ground. It's time to take new ground. Can you say that with me? Repeat after me. Say, it's time to take new ground. Basically, what I'm saying is you've been where you are long enough, and it's time to take some new ground in Christ. So let's pray, and then we're going to look at a couple of passages in First uh, and Second Corinthians. Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you that you are here we're not just talking about you. We're not just talking about the Bible, but you are here. And we welcome you. We welcome your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would speak. I pray you'd speak to the hearts in this room. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you could stand with me in honor of God's word. And we are going to read a um, short passage from the book of 2 Corinthians, verses 16 and 17. They should be up on the screen. It says, Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Say freedom. 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 That's, that's a good pertinent topic to the 4th of July. Freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Amen. You can be seated. There's two things that I love about this particular passage. Number one, we see that God wants us to be free. The truth is that the devil, he wants us to be bound and captive, but God wants us to be free. He died so that we could be free. And anywhere where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Amen. The second thing is this, and I want to focus in on a couple words. It says, we, those that are in Christ, that are saved, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. Now, some versions of Scripture there say, from glory to glory. We're being transformed from glory to glory. What that means is you're going from good things to better things. Yeah. 
It's just getting better and better and better. It's glory to glory to glory. And that right there is the will of God for you. I want you to know that. His will is not for you to go from bad to worse, from bitter to sour, from bad to bad to bad. His will for you is for you to go from glory to glory to glory. From, from, yes, there will be battles, but from victory to victory to victory. And a lot of it in the Christian walk has to do with renewing our mind to believe that we can walk in the victory that he has in the Holy Spirit. The enemy wants us to believe that it's just not going to get any better. Life is hard. Just not going to get better. You know, some people that got stuck in that mindset are the Israelites. There's a lot that we can learn from the Israelites. Those are the people that they started out in Egypt. They crossed through an ocean, which is amazing, by the way. And then they got stuck in the middle for 40 years. And they didn't get to inherit the promised land. And there is a temptation for you and I, if you're a believer, to get stuck in the middle. You know, the title of my message here is, It's Time to Take New Ground. The subtitle would be this, Don't Get Stuck in the Middle. Don't get stuck in that lukewarm wilderness middle where you believe the truth, but it's not in your heart and in your action. So let me give you a little visual aid here. This is what happened to the Israelites. This is what can happen to us. We get out of Egypt. See, Egypt represents getting up saved, salvation. So you're out of Egypt. You cross through that Red Sea. You're no longer a slave to the devil in your sin. You are free. But then God has a promised land for all of us, and it's not just heaven. Heaven is the ultimate promised land. But there is the promises of God the Spirit of God enabling us to walk, like I just mentioned, in victory. But there is a strong temptation to get stuck right here in the middle. Saved and then satisfied. Free and then frozen. Loosed and then lazy. Right here. Can you take a moment, just consider, is this your current state in your spiritual life? Has the enemy tricked you and tripped you up into getting stuck in the middle? And I want to encourage you and spur you on this morning that it's time to take some new ground for the kingdom of God. And it's possible. It is possible. His mercies are new every morning, and they're certainly new this morning. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn from Israel's mistakes. There's a portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to walk through some of these verses. There's four traps that the Israelites fell into. And what we're going to do is look at those traps and see how we can turn them around and do the opposite so we can walk into the promised land that God has for you in your life. 
He has your days written in his book. He has a purpose, a calling on your life. And it's a good purpose and calling. So if, you're, if you have a Bible, you're welcome to flip open to 1 Corinthians 10, verses 1 through 14. And um, we're going to read all these together and just kind of take a moment to kind of meditate on them and then we'll talk through them. So it says this, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors, the Israelites, were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Here's what the Apostle Paul is starting out by saying. He's saying there's no difference between them and us. They were God's people. That rock that they got water from, that was really Christ, the rock they were standing on. That's the rock you're standing on. And so he's saying it's relatable, the lessons that we can learn from their history. Now, these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. Verse 7, do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Now, other versions say this, they got up to eat and drink and play. You might think, I don't indulge in revelry. Well, do you play? Do you play too much? Are you too focused on pleasure? That's what he's talking about. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did, and in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble or complain as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Now, I want to make sure you note when it says there, on whom the culmination of the ages has come, it's talking about the fact that Christ had died and rose again. The fulfillment of this promised Messiah had come. He had died. He had rose again. He had made new life, forgiveness of sin, and walking in the promises of God. He had made it possible. That's the culmination of the ages, and it has come. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful, lest you fall, just like the Israelites. Verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, and God is faithful. He's what? Faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. So there's four traps, four traps that the Israelites got stuck in in the wilderness. Let's review. Number one, they got stuck in idolatry. Number two, they got stuck in sexual immorality. Number three, they got stuck in testing Christ. Number four, they got stuck in grumbling or complaining. 
So we're going to take a look at these and see what we need to do to be different. Now, if you pause for a moment, you'll see how relatable these things are to today. What, what is the church up against today? Idolatry, sexual morality, testing God. That means that's really an attitude problem. We'll talk about it. And then complaining and grumbling. It's relatable. Just as the Apostle Paul said, these people were the same as you. And my prayer is that there's a different outcome for you. That you don't get stuck in the middle. That you walk in the fullness that God has for you, taking new ground. So first thing we need to do, we need to worship instead of bowing to idols. We need to worship it says, don't be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and indulge in revelry. You know, what happened here was Moses had went up on the mountain and he was getting the Ten Commandments from God. And the people started to get impatient. They came to Aaron, who was Moses' sidekick, and they said, you know, that, that old guy is taking a long time coming down the mountain. We want you to make a God for us. Now, here's the thing. We don't need to make up new gods. We already got the one true God, right? We don't need to make up new gods. So we want to make up a new God. So Aaron said, well, go get all your jewelry. So they got all their earrings, their necklaces, all this stuff. They melted it down and they made a golden cow. Golden calf, if, you've, uh, if you went to Sunday school, you remember this story. And they are worshiping this golden cow. And Moses starts coming back down the mountain. And he hears, and he says, uh-oh, they ain't, they ain't worshiping God. And he gets down and he was mad. And he threw those stone tablets down. He broke them in some holy anger. And those people were in trouble. And here's the thing. There is a little lesson. The big one is what we're worshiping. But here's the little lesson I don't want you to miss with that. When God is taking a long time to answer you, if there's something that you feel like he's promised or should be happening that he hasn't come through yet for, if, if there's a prayer that's been unanswered or you just feel like he hasn't come in the way that you've wanted to yet and you've been waiting, I want to encourage you to keep seeking his face and be patient. Don't go make a golden cow somewhere. Okay? Now here's the second part. Is we got to be careful not to make up our own golden calves in our life. Now that might not feel relatable. Like, oh good, I don't, I don't bow down to golden, um, you know, farm animals. Okay? But the question is, is there anything that has taken captive your heart? You know, today, it can be our television and our smartphone that can be that golden calf. And here's what I'm talking about. When you are anxious or you're tired or you're stressed, the question is, where are you going to? What are you turning to? 
I just read a study, I forget if it was 7 or 12, something like 10 minutes. Every 10 minutes, minutes, people that have a smartphone check it. 10 minutes. You know what I'm talking about. Like, you've checked that thing. There, you haven't gotten a text in like four days, and you're just like, you know? It's coming, right? Be patient. That was what I was just preaching about. But um, we're checking. We're checking. And I'm telling you, Facebook and TV, our phone does not have any more power than that golden calf did. And, and here, let me be practical for a moment. You might say, well, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to be a monk, get a mon- go to a monastery? What you need to do is be sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God. You know, they got up, it says they got up to eat and drink, and they fell into revelry, or they played, okay? Well, it's not that you're never going to eat and drink. I don't think God is upset if you have a Fourth of July party tomorrow. It's do you stay in that place of pleasure and indulgence all the time or when the Holy Spirit is calling you to go be with him and pray and seek his face, are you obedient to put down the TV and the toys and be with the living God? We need some people that trust Christ and spend time with him and seek his face. I'm telling you, time is short. The world needs some people that are on their knees seeking God's face. A preoccupied, distracted church is no good to the world. Got to seek him while he can be found. While there's time, there's time for our family and our friends to come to Christ if we're praying, seeking God's face. I don't want Jesus to come back and I'm watching TV. You know what I mean? I don't want that. I want him to find me busy doing God's work, doing his work for the kingdom. Second thing is this. We need to be intimate with Christ instead of falling into sexual sin. It says, We should not commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. You know, sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. It's always true. It's like an equation. Sin equals death. It's like a mathematics principle. Never different. Sin never equals life. It equals death. And one of the trickiest and uh, most Deceptive kind of trapping sins can be sexual sin. And it's a problem today in America. I mean, it's a problem all over the world. You know, the the shows and all these different things, there's so much sexualization. Something that should be so special and sacred and, and even holy. Right? God made sex to be holy has become something that has just been degraded. And it can be tempting to fall into the ways of the world with sex outside of marriage, with pornography, with you name it, right? 
can be, it can be a trap. There's a couple costs when you fall into sexual sin. Number one, you lose your vision. The Bible says without holiness, it's impossible to see God. So if what you're seeing is something in the realm of sexual sin, it, it blocks out your vision. You might say, it's hard for me to see God, to hear God. Well, what, what has your eyes? That's the question. Another thing it does is it, it knocks out your ability to have common sense. It knocks out your vision, then it knocks out your senses. And the third one, the biggest cost, is that you lose your favor with God. It's not because he hates you. It's because he, he can't be shared. He's just like your spouse. He doesn't want to be cheated on. He loves, do you understand? His motive is love. It's not anger. He loves you so deeply. He doesn't want to share your eyes, your heart, your body with another. He loves you. He's jealous. He wants all of you. That, that word for sexual immorality is porne, and it means to sell yourself off. You have, you have something. Your, your heart, yourself is so valuable, so special. There's only one you. Don't sell it off to something cheap. Save it for God. Consecrate yourself. Joshua said, consecrate yourself today because tomorrow God is going to do great things. You save yourself for him so he can work in your life. So you're a vessel ready for his power, his spirit to flow out of. Really, the, the question when it comes to sexual sin is, where are we getting our love tank filled up? All of us have it. We have this empty kind of cup. We want to be loved and accepted. Who in this room wants to be loved and accepted? Come on, right? We can agree. If there's one thing we can agree on today, is that, right? So the question is not, do we have this need for love and acceptance? The question is, where are we finding that fulfillment? And I want to encourage you to let Christ's love be enough. He is enough. He is enough. We're just, I think sometimes we're too much like, uh, you ever try to grab a fish, you know? The fish is flopping around, it's slippery. We're kind of like that with God. If we could just rest in his arms and his love, don't be flopping all over the place, looking for love in the wrong places. Just stay. Rest in him. Receive the love he has for you. So let me give you a couple of practical ways to have some victory in the area of sexual temptation. Number one, you got to get it into the light. If right now you are struggling with pornography or something else that's secret, as long as it's just you battling it and it's in the dark, it is going to be so hard for you to win. You have to get it into the light. You have to talk to somebody. When I began to talk to my youth pastor about my struggles with what I was looking at online, that is when I started to get some victory in my life. It's because it was in the light. All of a sudden, I had a partner in crime to fight this thing. It wasn't just me. So you get it into the light, and I know that's a tough conversation, but is the pain that you're in, 
Has it pushed you enough to make that change, to talk to somebody? Talk to a pastor here. Talk to a friend. Talk to whoever. Talk to your spouse. I think they want to know the truth. It'll set you free. Number two, fasting. That's a great weapon against sexual sin. Because your flesh is, is getting so filled up. It wants more and more. The flesh never gets satisfied. So when you push it down and you fast and kind of kick it out and start filling yourself up with the Spirit through the Word and prayer, then you can have some victory. Another one so simple is seeking God in the morning. When you seek Him in the morning, I mean, when you get out of bed and you hit your knees, or you, maybe you get some coffee, but you find a chair and you just sit, think about Him, read the Word, put on a worship song, I, I bet you that day you will not be facing sexual sin because you were intimate with Christ first. So you don't need to look for intimacy elsewhere. Remember what Jesus said to pray, lead me not into temptation, right? Lead me not into temptation. There's power there in the morning. And then I'll give you a fourth one is um, we just read it in 1 Corinthians. Look for the way out that he is providing. Look for that way out. He is not giving you temptation. I mean, he doesn't tempt you. But you're not going to be given temptation that is uncommon to man. It's common. And God is giving you a way out. Just look for it. Look for it. Think about it like this. Jesus said in Revelation 3.20, he said, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anybody hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. So he's always knocking on that door. He's always, he's always, even if you're in the middle of temptation, he's knocking. Here I am. I love you. I haven't given up on you. Even if you came in this room buried in some of this sin, he's still knocking. I love you. My mercy is new today. There's a fresh start. There's ground for you to take with me right now, right here. It's available. Amen. Number three. We have to trust Christ instead of testing him. Verse 9 says, We should not test Christ as some of them did and were killed by snakes. How many know it's a bad day when you get killed by a snake? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, it's a bad day. You know, the, the kinds of comments that they were saying in the wilderness when they were camping, right here, they were sitting here, and they were saying, is God among us or not? That's a testing God kind of statement. Is God really among us? Did he leave us out here? Are you really there? Do you even care? And it's an attitude problem. I think if you're, if you're asking God that from a humble heart, God, can you hear me? I think that might be okay. But when you're saying, God, really? Can you do this? Come on. Testing God? That is where there's problems. You know, I was thinking about it like this. My kids will come to me with lots of questions, right? They have lots of needs. And um, it's kind of in their tone of voice and their attitude that can determine whether or not I grant that request. 
You guys with kids know exactly what I'm talking about, right? So I was building a train this morning with my son, five years old, uh, Caleb is his name. And we're built a wooden train. You know, we kind of got the, the blocks going and then we got the ramp up and then we're winding around to come through. And we got down to the end and he wanted to put, we have some circus pieces, like a little lion and some clown things. And they're like little wooden figures. So you kind of make this, this circus things. In the middle. And he starts, I'm over at the kitchen table and he's like, dad, come help me. Come over here. I don't want to make the circus thing by myself. Come help me. How many know I wasn't running over to help him? Like, oh, yes, my Lord. Let me help you, right? You know, I'm like, no, I'm going to eat my eggs. But then when I started to hear that tone change, like he actually was being humble and had a need, Dad, can you help me out? I'm like, okay, I'll come help you. And I think that's what we need to do. We, we do have needs, but our tone not testing Christ. God, do you even care? You left me out here. Forget you. I'm going to go do something else. That's testing him. You're taking too long up on the mountain, God. We go to somewhere else. No, we, we wait. Trust in him. Let me ask this question. How many people have had to wait for a long time for something and then God did come through? Raise your hand. Testify for a minute, right? He came through. Follow-up question. How many people, it wasn't in your timing, right? It was not in my timing. It was his timing. So that's where in that in-between time, we need to trust in him. Here's something that the Israelites said. This, this scripture is crazy. Numbers 11, verse 5. Mark it down in your Bible. They began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing or whining. And they said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, the garlic. Did you catch that? They said, at no cost. Did they forget about the 400 years of slavery? No cost. There was a huge cost. That right there, those are the words of the devil. He comes around to tempt. He says, you can do this and that, have this and that, at no cost. And we need to be discerning enough to say, that's a lie. That is not true. There is a cost. If you find yourself, you've been saved and you're walking with Christ, and then you begin to look back over your shoulder at some of the pleasures that you were uh, participating in in Egypt. And maybe it comes to your mind, hmm, there's such a cost of following Christ, but back there it felt like no cost. Renew your mind in that moment. God, help me. I don't want to get stuck here. It is so hard to drive forward when you're looking in the rearview mirror. You got to look forward. There is new ground for you. I love what Paul said. I meditate on this all the time when I'm getting caught in the past. Forget the former. Oh, that's, that's actually Isaiah. Yeah, the, the scriptures agree with each other. He said, forgetting what is behind, straining for what is ahead. Heaven, heavenward, which Christ has called me for. It's in front of us. There is a cost. Friends, there's a cost. To going back to Egypt. Silly. What a silly statement. No cost. The last one is this. We must thank God 
instead of complaining. You are blessed, friend. You are blessed. We, we don't even deserve the air in our lungs. The life is a gift. It's a gift. You know, I've, came, I've come to this realization. Hard truth as a Christian. The best that I could do, the best that I deserve outside of Jesus would be hell. I mean, it's sobering. Sobering truth. And then... I turn around and complain. He's given me heaven. He's given me so many blessings. We want to change our hearts to be a heart of thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for what you've given to me. And don't grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. You know, Rachel and I, we were uh, back in Michigan, and uh, it was about, this was about four years ago now. And we got a word we believed from God. And this word was a word of go. It was leave. So we felt like God was going to call us to another state. So all you guys right now are like, Ohio, yes, you made it out of Egypt. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, go blue. You haven't got me yet, okay? But anyway, we digress, okay? Don't want to create a stumbling block for you. But... um. So we get this word, and I mean, it, was, it, was, it came strong. We were praying in the evening one evening, and boom, we were both like, whoa. And it was from Genesis 12. It says, he, God was speaking to Abraham at that time. Go, leave your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. And there was a promise in there of blessing. And we knew it was time to go, so we ended up transitioning from the ministry position that I was in, and we were like ready. We thought, he said leave, and then we got a new assignment. Boom, we're ready to go. Well, what we didn't know is we were entering into like a three-and-a-half-year waiting period. And we were waiting. Whew. And the year started to go by. And that's not even that long, but started to go one year, two years. And Rachel and I kept saying to each other, what are we doing? And in the meantime, I, was, uh, I taught a little bit of tennis. At first, I was grief counseling. And... Um, we did find a church we went to at the time. So it wasn't like we were just sitting in a bunker somewhere, you know. But we, we were in this waiting season. And it was probably right around March of 2021 where I had a change of heart. And I would say this, my, my problem probably wasn't so much complaining as it was contentment. I think those go hand in hand. And, and uh, the Apostle Paul says, Godly, godliness with contentment is of great gain. That's a good word for today, especially when everything's at the click of our fingertip on Amazon, like, boop, a little discontentment, oh, two-day prime, here we go. I'm coming to be content again for an hour, right? And so contentment, and I realized that I had just really gotten an attitude in my heart of discontent. I'm going into my grief counseling work, and I'm like, what am I doing? How long am I going to be here talking to Rachel? What is our purpose? And just really got this attitude of discontent. So finally, it was about March of 2021, and I remember I said to Rachel, I said, you know what? I'm going to choose to be content. If God wants me to be a grief counselor for another 20 years, whatever he has in this season— 
I'm just going to choose to be thankful. It's by the grace of God, really, that I had that change. But here's what's crazy, okay? This is what's crazy about our journey. It was a month later. I was on a prayer walk, and I hear God cut through right to my heart, and he said, go. And all of a sudden, I knew we had the release to move and start to act on the word that he had spoke three and a half years earlier. And I kind of have to wonder to myself, was there a link between my attitude change and then when God said that we could go? And I'm thinking to myself, if I would have had the right attitude to begin with, would I have been able to skip these three and a half years, right? I mean, it's not so different than the story of the Israelites. If they would have just had that right focus from here, looking forward at Christ, kept their eyes on Christ, not on their circumstance, not on something to be ungrateful for, they could have cruised through. God, forgive us for complaining. Forgive us. Let's get our eyes on Jesus. Ask him, where do you want to go? There could be things in your life right now where God is saying, come up here. Grab my hand. Come up here. And you're in the camping chair. And he's saying, come on. It's time to take some new ground. New ground. This is the word that God actually spoke to me on that prayer walk. Deuteronomy 1.6. The Lord our God said, you have stayed at this mountain long enough. Turn and take your journey. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of it. Powerful, powerful. I read those words. I said, yes, Lord, I am ready. I have been at this mountain long enough, let me tell you. And I think this word is for you today. Reflect right now. God is speaking. You have stayed at this mountain long enough. You have sat in that camping chair long enough. Now turn, change, change the way you're thinking. Stir up your faith. Go back to the first love when you first got saved and start to take some new ground with Christ. It's time. He's calling you deeper, forward, to walk in victory. Delight yourself in him, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Maybe for you, that new ground is simply beginning with this intimacy with him. Where you, you wake up in the morning, and you, you, you change that morning routine, and you seek his face first. Maybe it's the evening. You need to take an evening this week and turn off the TV and sit with him. And I'll tell you what, if you do that, if you take that challenge, those first 10 minutes are going to be hard and probably boring. About 10 minutes, that's the turning point. I always find, whoo, and I'm just like, yes, Lord, and just seek his face. Read the word. Seek him. And you will find him when you seek him with all your heart. It's time to take some new ground. Ask him where he's taking you. There, your friends and your family, you need to renew a commitment to praying for their souls. That they would not be lost, but that they would be found by Christ. 
It's time, church. It's time. Right here. Right now. Today. Not tomorrow. Today. It's time. His mercy is ready for you to take new ground. Four attitudes in our heart that can get us ready to take new ground. Number one, God, I worship you. Number two, God, I want to be with you. Or I love you. I love you. Number three, I trust you. I trust you. And number four, I thank you. God, I thank you. You know, maybe the next step for you is to actually come out of Egypt and be saved. Do you know what that means? It means that you need your sins forgiven. There is one thing that no human has the power to do, and that is to forgive their own sins. You can't do it. We have sinned against God, and you need his mercy and his grace to come into your life. Without the shedding of blood on the cross, there is no, there cannot be any forgiveness of sin. And, and, and I want to I wanna stir you up right now. If you're in this room and you have not made a commitment to Jesus Christ, today is the day for you. I just sense that right now. There's a couple people. You have not committed yourself to Christ. Today is the day for you. You do not want to live your life away from God. Because it's going to be here and it's going to be in eternity away from him. You need to get right with him today. If today he said, you hear my voice, do not harden your heart. But listen and yield. Can I get a couple of altar workers? Maybe you could just make their way right up here. A couple people that could help me out. Got a couple of altar workers in the room. Thank you, guys. Here's what I want to do. I just believe that. I believe that God is working right now. So could everybody just stand with me at this time? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If God is working on your heart right now, and you know that today is the day that you need your sin forgiven, you need to be free, and you need to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. Maybe he's been drawing you for months now, and you just know he's speaking. He's, you feel it right here. The conviction that mm, my sin, I got to do something about this. I got to get to God. What I want you to do is come up to the altar and pray with one of these prayer uh, workers right now. I'm going to ask you to come. Take a bold step. Take a bold step and come right here to the altar and, and, uh, and pray. They're going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. 
the scripture says to repent and be baptized. We're doing a baptism at the end of July. It's in Lake Erie. And um, I want you to get baptized, to make this commitment to Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if God is working on your heart right now, do not delay in coming to him. I fully surrendered to Christ when I was 17 years old. Best decision I ever made. I was a mess that day because the Holy Spirit started convicting me of my sins, my lust, my pride. He just started to turn my heart. And I had to come to him and ask for forgiveness and the freedom that I experienced when I prayed for him to forgive me was so powerful. So, Father, right now, God, I pray over this room. I just pray that your mercy would be here. Your grace would be here. In Jesus' name. So here's what I'm going to do real quick. Again, the, the altars are open. And if you have been waiting, waiting, waiting. I want to call to you right now to come out of where you are and meet with God right here on this altar on July 3rd, 2022. This is a day for somebody. It's a new beginning. It's a new day. So I'm just going to count to three real quick, give you some courage, okay? If that's you, God's dealing with you, and then everybody's going to celebrate with you because there's a lot of people in here, they already had their day where they came up to the altar. But today is your day. You need to come. So one, two, three, if you need to come, come right now. Start walking. Start walking right now. Right now. Start coming. Can everybody else start praying real quick? Pray for those. If you're a believer, thank you, Lord. I just want to wait a moment here. If you need to come to Christ, his arms are open. His arms are open on the cross. He's saying, come right now. Just come. So we are going to sing together. And if, if, you, if you still want to come up and get prayer, then um, we will continue to leave the altar open for that. Don't wait.